Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, You are just so good. You are so good, Lord. And we thank You, and we just want to take a minute. I'm going to just take a pause this, in the middle of this busy uh, morning, sort of racing in here, coming in a little bit late, and just thank You for who You are and worship You and bless You, Lord, and, and prepare our hearts to receive Your Word. We just ask, God, that You would give us Your Word, uh, that You would plant Your truth in our hearts, that You would translate the words that I speak and, and um, speak them, speak Your truth to our hearts, God. That, um, that You would be glorified in our midst and that You would find us where we are lost, Lord, and bring us, bring us home. We thank You, God, for Your Word and we pray that You would bless it and um, that we would hear it rightly. We ask this, and we will believe it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, well, we are in part three of four, uh, for part five. Yeah, I'm just thinking about this. Um, I'm kind of, like, if you were to take all the words that I'm speaking to you, it, it would basically be a, co- a giant commentary, you know, like it would, if we were to, to print them all out, but I was kind of thinking, like, wouldn't it be cool to kind of hit some of the highlights and make each part like a devotional chapter so maybe if you're really good at editing, um, uh, we could we could put that together. I got some friends who could help us do that. If we, by God's grace and mercy, make it all the way through Matthew, <laughs> we're eight months in. I think what is it? No, it's seven months in, and we're not quite halfway. Um, Jesus has been uh, has sent his disciples out on a mission trip of sorts. And he gives them warnings uh, of, about the hostilities that they are going to face. And, and there's no real like, and then they came back sort of moment. Uh, we have that over in Luke uh, in chapter 10. The se- it says the 72 returns. It wasn't, it's probably, maybe not even the same trip, but it, uh, that's where they said, Oh, Lord, you know, even the demons are subject in your name. And he, Jesus says, I saw Satan falling like lightning. Uh, from the heavens, and then he says, but don't give thanks for that, give thanks that your name is written in the book of life. So it's a good, sermon in Luke chapter 10, and it is com- a comparable, uh, sort of what we would expect uh, after the end of this mission trip, but we don't get that. Um, but what we get instead is that Jesus goes, and when he's finished instructing him, he just continues with his ministry. So we have verse 1, Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. I don't know if that means in specifically in the cities of the disciples, or if it just, uh, like if he maybe participated in the, in the mission trip or something like that, or if he just meant the cities in the region, and their, you know, their cities that they had in that region, like the, the Floridians have the, their cities. You know, I, I don't know if that's exactly sort of what, what it means there, but, um, but it's, you know, he would have stayed in the region of Galilee, and he resumes his normal course of his own ministries. His authority has been shared, but not abdicated. He hasn't, he hasn't graduated, and they haven't graduated yet either, uh, from their apprenticeship. And in fact, we never graduate from our apprenticeship under Jesus, do we? Never, never. And then Jesus gets some notable visitors. Notable visitors. So, would someone... Since you you're here, my, I'm talking a lot this morning, y'all. So, would um would somebody read verses two through six? 
So you, fi- you finish with blessed is the one that's not offended. So, yeah, thank you, Connie. Go ahead. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered him, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. How how does it sit with you that John sends these messengers? Yes, Connie. work, he was committed throughout his whole life being the one to prepare the way of the Lord, and now he's in prison and he's doubting. He's like, really? What have I been doing this for? He, yeah, he's in a dark place, isn't he? And, and I, I can kind of get it. He's in a, in a spiritual crisis. And I, there's a, a part of me, this sort of, I don't know if it's cynical exactly the right word, but just it takes a lot of comfort in the fact that the great prophet... I mean, you know, just depending on what what Jesus says about him later in the in the uh, in, in this section. I mean, the, the, even even John is having a spiritual crisis. Even John has his doubts, and God is not God's plans aren't put off by that. There's a lot of comfort in that. But John is having a spiritual crisis, and maybe you can relate. He has had this great ministry. He was baptizing. Sinners, he was blasting the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, and he's helping people repent. He's not blasting them just to blast them. I mean, he's really challenging their self righteousness and, and, and calling them to repent and, and have a, a, a righteousness based on, on the Lord and, and their commitment to him. And he's telling people that the mighty one who was coming, uh, in fact, the, the one who was so great that, that he. Uh, wasn't worthy to do the most menial task of untying his sandals, this great preacher by the river, the wild man in the wilderness, that even he isn't worthy to untie his sandals. He's telling people that, that this guy's coming, and then one day he, sh- he starts quacking like a duck. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, just, I, I got distracted. I, I was... Um, Right there on the Jordan River, yeah. yeah. And then one day, the, the, the one he's been proclaiming shows up and the Holy Spirit whispers in John's ear, this is the one I told you about. I mean, keep, like, I just, I've, I've never uh, been confused uh, for a prophet, but I, I just can imagine that um, the excitement when the thing that you have been working towards shows up. This is the one I was telling you about. And John declares to everyone, every, I mean, his whole ministry, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he baptizes Jesus because Jesus made him in order to fulfill all righteousness. And the skies part, and the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus, and the Father says, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And John says, he must increase and I must decrease. John gives his whole ministry willingly over to Jesus. 
And John has to be thinking, we are about to get it on. Right? I mean, it is, it is happening. G- this Jesus, my cousin, I, you know, I remember his bar mitzvah, but he, you know, maybe, maybe, we don't really know if they interacted, but, we, but he, what, they were you know, cousins. And so Jesus uh, is, is going to inspire the people. He's going to lead a rebellion that cannot lose. We're going to kick these Romans out of here. He's going to be the king, and I'm going to have a cabinet position. And then John gets arrested for calling out Herod uh, for marrying his dead brother's wife. Herod, uh, I think it was Herod Philip, married uh, Herod Antipas's, maybe that's backwards, but anyway, Herodias. It's kind of weird when you marry a woman who's got the same family name. Uh, that's just, that ain't, ain't going to be right anyway. It's cut. Anyway, so John gets arrested. No problem. No problem, Jesus is going to lead a rebellion. And any minute, he's going to come barging through that door. Any minute. Right now. Yeah, Doc, anything correct? I just wondered, reading into that, uh, could it be perhaps that, that John was whisked away into prison before he saw Jesus doing all of these miracles? Well, perhaps he's, it was, he did not see him doing the miracles, but he certainly had heard from God that this was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, so regardless, of, regardless of whether or not he had witnessed any of the miracles, he had heard about them because his disciples were coming and telling him. And, um, and so they had witnessed him. And then he had all, but, but he was confident at one point that this was, in fact, the one he was waiting for. Well, the miracles confirm God, who, who Christ is. That's right. And, and, and uh, of course, they, they, uh, him having not seen, it was a confirmation. Is, are, are, you really, are you really the Messiah, or did I get ahead of myself? Well, I'll tell you why I don't think that, that necessarily lines up, but, but let me get here from Craig first. Well, I just don't really don't understand how John could have had any doubt. It doesn't make sense to me that he did I would have to figure some other reason for what he said. That either he wanted to make sure that it was really Jesus that was out there, and that it wasn't another fake Messiah, because we do know that there was a lot of fake Messiahs right. at that time period. Because I can't believe that after God came down and told him that <laughs> this is the Lamb of God, that he would ever have any doubt. Well, let me let me let me say I, let me ask you. If you have ever been sure of something because the Lord, you know, made it clear to you, or, or there was some spiritual reason for you to be sure about something, and then that came into doubt later, I wasn't quite so sure. Even Mother Teresa said that she. Even Mother Teresa, even Billy, you know, all the all the great ones. Right. Dark night of the soul. And so I think that you know John has zero divinity about him. He is he is fully human, but not not divine. And, 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 you know, what we're going to talk about later, I'll just spill the beans a little bit. I mean, he's, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. I mean, look at Elijah's minute. Elijah was depre- deeply depressed. Yeah. Deeply depressed. And so, um, so John's in present, prison, and weeks go by, months go by, and his disciples are, are coming by, and John's asking, like, how it's going, and they're saying, well, he's got a lot of followers, and he's just kind of healing them and moving on you know he's not he's not doing any fundraisers he's not uh taking over the government he's teaching some he's doing some magic with some bread and some fish but um i guess that's where i'm confused i don't really believe that john would have thought that 
Christ came to take to kick the Romans out. Oh, okay. All right. Now that that's that's interesting. So I I I I don't have a better explanation. Let me just say it like this. I don't have a better explanation than that. Even John didn't understand the uh, messianic uh, role that that Jesus would be playing. That he had he had every expectation as an Old Testament prophet. I mean, he's not Old Testament, but he's but he's pre-Jesus. So he had every expectation, as the disciples did, I think, that, that he would be a sort of military political messiah rather than a sort of spiritual, and that the enemy he would kick out would be the occupiers, not the sin itself. So that's, um, if he didn't, if he expected that, then I, then I, w- I wouldn't have an explanation for his doubt either. But I, I, that's what I think. Um, and I, and I, I mean, that's, that's what I think. That's what some scholars I've read think. But, um, but I'm open. You know, maybe, maybe we're, we're speculating. Yes, Rick, save me. If he's in jail, mm-hmm. um, and he knows that even if he thinks that Jesus is just there just to kick butt out the Romans, why am I still sitting here in jail? Um, you know, did I, did I back the wrong horse? That's right. So I would think that's what he's asking. See for doubt right there. Did I... Bet all my chips on the wrong guy. There's, there's no talk of any uprising. And John begins to doubt. Uh, he's, and I just think that John's lost. And, and, Especially if he thinks he's not going to get out of jail alive. Now, he may not know what the future holds. Well, why in the world wouldn't he get out alive? Because cause the Messiah is here. But the Messiah didn't do anything except going around to people that don't have any power. What is his problem? Yeah. Yes. John's message was always a strident one in my book. He was yelling at people all the time. And boy, this is not what he expected. This yes. This looked like what he had hoped or prayed for or administered. Yeah, Jesus is pretty... He, the ones he's hard on are the religious guys. You know, he's, he's healing centurion's servants and, and stuff. He's... He, the, he's really nice to the to the outsiders and the but but the religious guys he's uh, busting on now John busted on the religious guys too uh, called him a brood of vipers actually but um but yeah you're right I mean he has this strident um, voice in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord but Jesus's speech is much um, calmer unless he's dealing with self righteousness but um. So you can decide for yourself if you think Jesus, uh, John is lost, but, but Jesus hasn't really... I think, the, I think the reason for his doubts that for, you know, at least... And maybe I'm just projecting my own um, mess onto John, but, but when Jesus hadn't come through for me, I tend to doubt Jesus. And Jesus hadn't come through for John. Um, John had done everything right, everything that he could think to do, but Jesus hadn't taken over. And and that sort of doubt is its own sort of prison, isn't it? Um, and, and you don't usually get out of your that kind of prison on your own timeline. Um, maybe he just needed some encouragement. Maybe he just needed some encouragement. It would have been nice if Jesus went to visit him. You know, hey, <laughs> you know, just a just a visit. You know, like it might have. You know, perhaps put Jesus in danger, but you know, is that too much to ask? I don't. I, don't, I mean, well, if you look at it biblically, there was there was no other uh, real alternative. John was so uh, powerful in the church, the, let's say Christian church. He had so many followers 
that if he didn't pass away, that would have been that would have been like you know. Uh, well, I mean, he says I must decrease. I mean, I, I think that he had wanted to give his ministry over to Jesus. I don't think it. I don't. Sure, there, there, there was, but I, I don't think they would. I mean, in fact, Jesus' first followers were followers of John's. I don't think that. Uh, there, there's no talk of any sort of like, you know, West Side Story factions uh, with, uh, you know, the, the disciples of Jesus. So, um, the, um, but I, I mean, I don't mean it made like a light of it. I, I just think I, I think that there was there was confusion. I, I, of course, there was. This was. Um, uh, this was, I mean, when the Messiah appears, that is that is uh, an altering event for sure. Well, Katie, I, I don't think we should be too hard on John. No, because even the disciples, up until the very last, were questioning Jesus. I don't. Yes. Now, please, if you hear me uh, dogging John, I, I I repent. I don't. I don't mean to. Um, I don't mean to be dogging him. I seem, I, I'm simply trying to point out and prove, uh, or make the case that he was that he was in a dark night of the soul. You are in despair. <laughs> Let the record show. John was a product of his times. Nobody expected that kind of Messiah. Nobody. I, mean, I think everybody expected a super David. No, that's right. He was. This was. This was. This was a not an outlying. This was the expectation. It was not an outlier. This was that was the expectation, not just of the day, but of of the scriptures. I mean, that was that's what. It was very difficult. Not difficult. Nobody had had seen the uh, Isaiah's suffering servant and Isaiah's um, triumphing Messiah as the same person. So, um, but. But it's you know that's a, it's a spiritual desert, and it, it you know it doesn't have to be doubt. You know it could be addiction, it could be an affair, it could be um, just exhaustion. You know you just work so hard. Any sort of family disappointment. Um, I mean I don't know what sort of dark nights you've been in. Um, many theologians and and saints of God, and and you mentioned Mother Teresa, Saint John of the Cross, Saint John Chrysostom. There's lots and lots. Who have talked about the dark night of the soul? Uh, Soren Kierkegaard talks a lot about that. And so, in this dark night, John sends his disciples, who have come to visit him, he sends them to Jesus, just to like, ah, I mean, are you? Do I need to keep waiting, or or did we? Did I put my chips on the wrong horse? You know, like, are we? Um, Am I in prison because I bet all my chips on the wrong guy? I, I thought God was, uh, and I had a deal here. Um, so are you the one to, uh, who is to come, or should we wait for another? And, and, um, and so, even for John the Baptist, even for the one who God whispered in his ear and said, that's the one I've told you about, even for him, God's ways are not our ways. And that is really important. What's also important is that Jesus doesn't get the least bit upset with John. He understands how difficult. I mean, I think he must understand. He doesn't spend a lot of time on telling us about that, but I think he must understand how difficult of a position John is in. And he says, 
He doesn't say yes or no. He doesn't say yes, I'm the one to come, or no, I'm not. He's, he says, you, you, why don't you go tell John what you've seen? That, get to the passage. He says that, um, uh, he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. That is not the kind of good news I was expecting. We've got a menagerie of sorts. This is... So, there's a sense in which Jesus recounts all of the ministry that He has been doing. That we read about, especially in chapters 8 and 9. The blind are seeing, the lame are walking. I mean, every one of these things Jesus has done. But actually what He's doing, He's not just recounting His own ministry successes. He is quoting Saul, uh, I mean Isaiah 35. And that is really important. I'm going to, this is a fairly famous, fairly well-known passage. And, and if you know about Isaiah, especially Isaiah before chapter 40, Isaiah is, um, is preaching to those who would, um, if they didn't repent, were going to go into exile. And so he's promising judgment. God is speaking through this great prophet Isaiah, and he's promising judgment. But what Isaiah does constantly, it's like a yo-yo, back and forth. He's saying, it's, judgment is coming if you don't repent, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to meet you in that moment of weakness. So there's, there's back and forth judgment, and grace, judgment and grace, judgment and grace. And Isaiah 35 is one of the grace passages. And he talks to a people who are in a dry, uh, barren, spiritual place. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. So he draw, he's drawing on their arid uh, context, a geographic context, to, to speak spiritually. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. And then he said, and, and, and listen to this. I mean, just think, if, if John, and we just assume that John knew this passage backwards and forwards, but if, if John, um, there in his dark night, in his weak state, hears this, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Such an encouraging passage for those who are in a dry time. And it actually goes on and on that we could, we could spend more time with that. I, don't, I wouldn't say he's, Jesus is speaking in code to John, but he's, he's letting him know these Scriptures are being fulfilled. Even if you can't say that it hap- is unfolding the way you thought it was going to. And that's really important uh, for John, and it's really important uh, for us. There's a lot of talk about the end times. And a lot of people have made very bold predictions. And that's nothing new. 
People have been doing that for centuries. Oh, this is it. I can tell because uh, these tanks or are, 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 are this um, destroyer in, in uh, Revelation and, and this regime is this person and on and on. And then it, life goes on. And, um, and I think that uh, for, Je- for Jesus to say to John that the Scripture is being fulfilled, but just not the way you thought it was going to, is actually really good news for us. Uh, I, I am in the camp, um, when we're speaking of Revelation, I'm in the camp called an amillennial, which means it's going to happen. I believe it's happening. The Scripture is going to be fulfilled. Just I have no idea how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen. If we are on the verge of World War III, and we are, this is the end times, you know, Jesus coming back, fantastic. But probably not, and that's okay too. Like, let's just proclaim the, proclaim the word. I don't need to know, because he knows. Anyway, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Not just look busy, you know. <laughs> be ready. So Isaiah is speaking to those in exile. John would have taken this, I believe, as incredible encouragement. Like, not just a yes or no, but like the thing that he needed. Because that's what Jesus does. So they go back, they're going to go tell him. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. These probably would be crowds that were familiar with John's ministry, that perhaps many of them had been baptized by John. And he says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? And this is probably like, you know, first century humor. I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, well, no? Okay, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Psh, he's in camels here. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is an extraordinary statement that he's about to make. This is the one who was prophesied about. This is the one of whom it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare the way before you. Now, that's from Malachi, but there's also a passage in Isaiah that that talk about that. In fact, if you go, I mean, Malachi is full of John the Baptist. I love teaching on uh, the first chapter of Luke, which talks about the birth of John the Baptist and looking at the very... So that would have been... The birth of John the Baptist would have been actually chronologically the first thing that happened in the, in the New Testament. And if you look at the very last thing chronologically in the Old Testament, which is the words of Malachi, it basically says, John's coming. The one in the spirit and the power of Elijah uh, is coming. And he will turn his, uh, the hearts of the, of the fathers towards their sons and the hearts of the sons toward their fathers. And what does the angel tell Zechariah, John's father... This kid is going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the sons and the sons towards the fathers. It's pretty awesome. Anyway, um, so it's just, Jesus doesn't say, uh, you know, one little trip to prison and this guy's lost his faith in me. Can you believe that guy? He is utterly compassionate. He's utterly patient with John. uh, And John's doubt does not disqualify him from the office of prophet, nor does it disqualify him from the office of believer in Christ. So when you, dear one, a regular old believer, when you have doubts creeping in, and when things are not going the way that you had planned, 
God has you even when you don't seem to have Him. And he says some amazing things about Him. He says He's the greatest born among women. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Like that, that is a big statement. You know, that is, that is a, I mean, a lot of people born of women. Not many people that hadn't been, actually. Um, and yet, what, uh, here's what I want to know what you make of this. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What does that mean? Why would, why in this moment would Jesus take this opportunity to say that? Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than that guy. Jeremy saying once you receive God, you're greater than Jesus. Jesus is your teacher. God has placed you on a pedestal that you are his his child now. That's right. I mean you are, I think you said greater than Jesus, but I think you meant greater than John. Is that is that or did yeah. you yeah. To become a child of God is is that there's no higher uh, there's no higher place. Um, and you know the great among you must be your servant I mean and John was a servant in, in that sense I, I think Jesus is just uh, working in the necessity of making ourselves small uh, making ourselves humble servants I mean some people have to be famous but it doesn't have to be us you know unless God just raises us up so um yeah. And, and this is our mantra that, that He must increase and we must decrease. And so, yes, I think, um, I mean, it might be more comfortable to us if He said, you know, uh, the least in the kingdom of heaven is equal with, with John. Uh, that would kind of make sense. But it's greater than Him. I think it has to do with faith. Um, and it doesn't have to, again, it's not disqualified. It's, it's, I would say it's hard to parse out. But I think it, He is... Um, John John doesn't yet understand the nature of salvation, and you and I do. And so um, John will, but he doesn't yet. I don't know. That's what I'm I think. Sure that everybody in heaven is without sin. Every, everyone in heaven is without sin in heaven. Yes. Right. So wouldn't that make him greater than John the Baptist? Well, I suppose so. If you're comparing the person in heaven to the guy who's sitting in prison. Yeah. Well, isn't that what he's doing? But when John gets gets his head knocked off, and then he's without sin too. So. Isn't that when Jesus said that? When he, was in prison? he was in prison. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I can go there. Yeah. And the kingdom of heaven has started. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because the Messiah is there. All right. So then he says, um, from the days of John the Baptist until now, clearly the days of John the Baptist are behind them. The kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I think what he's talking about, and the scholars um, think that what he's talking about, though nobody's really sure, is that he is uh, talking about um, the fact that, that John would be martyred, that Jesus would be killed, that his disciples, his apostles would be killed. Like, I mean, the ones that are sticking their necks out to be servants uh, uh, of the kingdom are are going to suffer violence. 
Now, thankfully that you and I don't live in a place like that, but there are actually millions of Christians who are suffering violence because of their faith. And so we need to remember them in our prayers. Um, the days of John the Baptist are the past is supplanted by the kingdom of heaven. Um, and that, uh, in fact, the gospel is actually offensive. The gospel is it's, you know, wild. The gospel of love is offensive to the point of violence. Uh, to the ways of the world, which are um, prideful, uh, power-hungry. And, and we, are all, we are all tempted uh, by the ways of, of the world. So, um, but if, if John was Elijah, then Jesus is, in fact, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that, that's what I have for you this morning. Um, it's a lot to wrestle with. I think it's a wonderful passage about the unfolding of Scripture and about the willingness of God to meet us in desert times. Um, we've got about two minutes if you have questions or thoughts or comments. Okay. Well, you can take this last two minutes and get a new ringtone on your phone <laughs> that sounds like an animal that has not yet been heard. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. See you in church. <laughs>